This episode is brought to you by Feel Free from BotanicTonics.com. Feel Free is a small two-ounce shot made from kava and other ancient plants, and the feeling that it provides is incredible. It is euphoric. It gives you this sense of focus. It reduces anxiety, and it just puts you in a relaxed state in your body. Think of it as a plant-based magical elixir that can uplift your mood, increase your productivity, and give you the energy to do the things you want to do today. There are so many applications for when you can use Feel Free. A few examples are using Feel Free to get into a flow state before yoga, meditation, or exercise. People are using this as a kind of energy drink to go running for miles at a time. And it's also great for socializing. It just makes it easier to connect to people around you. There isn't this kind of background hum of anxiety anymore. It just really melts away. And that also makes it a great replacement for alcohol. So if you're ready to feel free, go to botanictonics.com and use promo code ZIAN40 for 40% off. Again, that's botanictonics.com, promo code ZIAN40, X-I-A-N 40, at botanictonics.com. This episode is also brought to you by Sheath, the underwear of legends. What makes Sheath different is the pouch on the inside. Now this is a game-changing invention that completely revolutionizes the male undergarment. These are the most comfortable underwear I have ever worn by far. They've got amazing designs and styles, super comfortable fabrics. My favorite is the bamboo and also the V, which is a long leg athletic underwear that doesn't ride up and it supports you where it matters most. So go check out Sheath at sheathunderwear.com and use promo code TIMEWHEEL to save 20%. Once again, that's sheathunderwear.com, promo code TIMEWHEEL.
All right, we are rolling, and I'm here with my new friend, Carlin Altman. How's it going today? It's going well. (laughs) (laughs) Glad to have you. So we actually just met at one of our mutual friend, James McRae's event, Sunflower Club. Um, I caught your set. I think you were probably the, the second person that had went up when I, when I came in, which, you know, this is kind of like a poetry jam, but it's open mic, you know, so people can do, um, whatever they want there. Um, but you had done this comedy bit that was just fantastic. And I was like blown away by it and felt a large resonance with, you know, where you're coming from. And when I feel that with people, I'm more interested in like, you know, how did you become who you are and what you're interested in? Because, there's only a couple of us out here, you know, like um, that are really on this kind of wave. Um, and certainly it's growing, especially in Austin. But for the first, you know, five, six years of my awakening path, there wasn't enough content like this out there. So I just love to share these stories um, about how people awaken and, and come to these, you know, like everything that was in your comedy bit there. It was like very high vibe, very highly spiritual and uh you know slightly conspiratorial but those things are linked and for a good reason but uh i just want to know like yeah when did all this start for you like when did you start looking deeper into things and um as well when you when did you get into comedy and that type of thing oh well thank you firstly thanks for your kind words about my comedy performance i had i have so my dad was a stand-up comedian from like in the seventies was kind of his heyday. His name was uncle dirty. His real name is mm. Bob Altman. And my dad was very much like a hippie beatnik and very much about using comedy to awaken people to, you know, concerns like nuclear war and pollution. And when yeah. it became the 1980s, uh, my dad kind of lost favor with mainstream comedy because comedy kind of just went in kind of a dark direction and became very blue and became very, you know, like your mother, blah, blah, blah kind of vibe. And um, it's something that I've noticed because I started doing stand-up comedy when I was in college. I had a public access show called Sunday Night Live. Comedy has always been a really big part of my life, like my whole life. Like my family is really jokey. Um, But I would say that um, things things kind of like became strange when I um, went off of Prozac (laughs) in (laughs) 2015 because life stopped being very funny for me because (laughs) I started to really feel my feelings for the first time. And I realized that I had been using comedy as a tool of dissociation from my feelings. And I recognized that that is something that a lot of people do because feelings are really uncomfortable. And in our society, we're not really encouraged to feel things and we're encouraged to keep things light and jokey. And I took on the identity in my family as a joker, like both my parents did. And so when I went off of Prozac in 2015, 15, I started going off of it. I started feeling my feelings for the first time, like I said, and I also felt such unbearable discomfort with how anxious I was that I ended up 
my friend, a friend of mine told me to try CBD. And I was like, okay. And then it actually was a full vial of indica tincture that he gave me. And I thought it was CBD. And it totally changed my life, like completely. And I literally like that was in 2000 well 15 I first tried it and then 17 was like when I feel like I kind of had a spiritual awakening through marijuana which I think is almost like kind of funny because a lot of people don't take marijuana seriously like they just think it's like something to feel uh relaxed with but for me it totally like I could hear my soul come online and my soul was like Carlin like you've been trying to um you know, hide from your feelings. And also at that time I had been developing a comedic TV show called Carlin saves the world that I had been working on for years. And because my main passion, my whole life has been environmental healing and the healing of our planet. And I recognized through um, cannabis that I was actually trying to save the planet because I felt so unsafe my whole life that I kind of assumed that, well, if I save the planet, I'm finally going to feel calm for the first time. And what cannabis did was it told me that like, um, I have to feel safety and healing within, within myself. Um, if I really want to save this planet and that like, I, I, so basically the last seven years, uh, since 2017, I've kind of just been really like in a healing journey and have not been doing comedy. Have I gave up doing that TV show, Carlin Saves the World. I like to, I had like real companies involved, like absolutely oh, wow. the company that makes Nathan for you, which is like one of my favorite comedy TV shows. that's no longer on the air, but like I recognize that like I really needed to kind of take a break from comedy and kind of approach it in a different way and from healing myself on a mental level healing my mental health afflictions like anxiety and OCD I I felt a lot of anger come up because I realized that we live in a society that doesn't actually encourage true healing it encourages surface level things and even the popularity of self-care is very superficial in my opinion as it relates to healing and um there's such an emphasis on on just keeping things superficial because healing is horribly uncomfortable healing is really yucky you face a lot of dark things and i'm grateful to say that i do feel for the first time happy in my life but it has taken me a really long time of kind of taking a break from comedy and kind of going deep within and realizing that I want to use comedy as a tool of standing up. Like I think of the term stand-up comedy and I really believe that comedy is a truth-telling tool for standing up for the truth and our society has not really valued the truth and plant medicine has no filter. Plant medicine is not um, like you know, it's can be, I've had jokey experiences with plant medicine, but overall it's like a truth serum. And that's to me what comedy can be. And so I've prayed that I could figure out a way to talk about what I believe are, are real concerns on this planet using comedy. And I still don't, it's not like I, I mean, when you saw me perform at the sunflower club, to be honest, that's basically the first full set I've done for nine years. I'm not even exaggerating to you. Like that was your comeback set. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you killed it. (laughs) Thank you. I birthed it. I thank you for saying that. I mean, the thing (laughs) is, is that I, 
because the truth is, is like, I don't really fit in to stand up comedy in, in this kind of like, I don't really like comedy clubs. I don't drink alcohol. I don't really like co- the stand up comedy culture in general. I think that in a lot of ways, mm-hmm. um, it's still very surface, you know, like I, I mean, part of why I, I was <clears throat> part of why I'm in Austin is because I was hired to co-write a documentary about weather modification, which is a topic I'm very passionate about as it relates to environmentalism and climate change. And my goal with working on this film has been to bring lightness and comedy to a topic that's really uncomfortable and something that I was really shocked that even existed as a lifelong environmentalist. Um, And so I came to Austin to work on that, but also to check out the stand-up comedy scene and I did the open mic at the Joe Rogan club last Sunday and it was, it was really cool. And I really admire Joe Rogan and I admire his role in our society. Um, and at the same time, I feel that, um, even comedy clubs, like I feel kind of alienated from, you know, even though the theme of the Joe Rogan club is aliens, it's like, I still feel that comedy is very much in general. It's just kind of, making jokes about women or making really crass jokes about pedophilia and like, how low can you go? Like how, how shock value can you be? And to be honest, it, it, it's still to me is a dissociation from the true healing that is necessary for this planet. And I think I have to also have compassion because like I said earlier, healing can be really painful. Like I've had to address abuse I've experienced in the last few years that I repressed. Like, like it's like all these things that I've experienced. It's really uncomfortable to approach things. So I understand why a lot of our culture, especially comedy is very, um, you know, crass and shock value. And cause people don't want to feel feelings. I think a lot of the times people go to comedy clubs is to check out and, So in a way, it's like, not like I can have some expectation for comedy to shift. But what I realize is that what my role in comedy is to be a part of the new paradigm, which is using comedy as a, as a tool of healing and as a tool of truth. And I don't even see myself as a comedian. I see myself more as a philosopher kind of channeler (laughs) because when I perform, like, it's not even like I'm really, I don't really like, um, pre-planned bits like what you saw me do at sunflower club was completely just off of my brain it wasn't me doing a set whereas i used to try to do sets i've performed comedy all over i performed at caroline's new york um which is a really prestigious club i opened for jeff garland who was like on the show curb your enthusiasm like i've had like a more mainstream comedy background but i never felt satisfied in that dynamic because i was trying to play the game of being um a comedian or what I thought a comedian should be, which is kind of what I think my dad started to do in the eighties when he saw that being a hippie kind of went out of favor. He sort of tried to be start telling jokes and he became really dissatisfied. And so what I'm recognizing now is like, if I just embrace who I am and I improvise and I just ask God to kind of like, not, not like God tell me a joke, but like, if I just kind of like listen inward, but to be honest, it's not always funny. And that's why I think it's been hard for me to kind of define myself because there is a lot of darkness on this planet. And I think it's, it's funny because when I used to do stand up when I was on Prozac, I would make fun of conspiracy theory theories and conspiracy theorists. And mm-hmm. I thought people that question things like, 
the JFK assassination or stuff, I was like, oh, they're just bored. You know, people have too much time on their hands. Right. And once I started to have my awakening and kind of put pieces together, I was like, you know, I mean, not explicitly that s- specific historical event, but in general, I'm like, wow, like, I do believe in general we're being lied to on a lot of mm-hmm. levels. So it humbled me to realize that the same people that I judged as crazy are probably a lot saner than, or not saner, but more in touch with the uncomfortable truth that our society has lied to us in a lot of ways. And which is not very funny. (laughs) Mm -hmm. No, absolutely. I I relate, you know, it's, it's crazy. I mean, there's, there's so much resonance um, with everything that you were talking about and yeah, it's so interesting how, you know, the conspiracy world is linked to the, the spiritual world in some way. Some of them are, you know, pretty far-fetched and, and pretty weird, but, but certainly a lot of them uh, seem to be real, you know? Like, for example, the first time I heard about fluoride being in the water and decalcifying your pineal gland, um, you know, well, it calcifies your pineal gland, so you need to decalcify it. Um, it was looked at like, this is crazy people stuff by most of my friends and stuff, but I was like really interested in diving deep into that rabbit hole. Um, my initial curiosity with conspiracy in general came from the movie Zeitgeist. Have you seen Zeitgeist? Yeah, that was a huge part of my awakening as well. Yeah. When I saw that and I was kind of young, I think I was probably 14, 15 years old. Um, so just getting to that place where I'm starting to question stuff, question religion, question the school system and, 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 you know, whether or not drugs are good or bad, you know, I zeitgeist came into my life and our zeitgeist came into my life. And, uh, then, you know, I just, I, fell down this rabbit hole of really seeing, uh, the matrix that we're in and all these Illuminati symbols and fluoride in the water. I can't drink that, you know, and, um, I, there's stuff in the, the food that's really bad. So I can't eat that. And so it just became very, you know, trimming down things in my life that, uh, and, and really becoming a little bit of, um, you know, a stickler about what I would be around, what I would eat, what I would drink. Um, I certainly lightened up a little more now, but it's, you know, all that really did help clean my body up to the point that I could, uh, use these higher faculties of intellect and intuition. And then merging though, all of that combination with psychedelics was like the perfect trifecta, um, for me to start to really see through the matrix, the Maya, the illusion, and see what is real and what is worth putting our attention towards. Um, and as well, I wanted to say earlier, I was thinking about how uh, I'm a fan of the show Succession. And at a point in one of the earlier seasons, someone says, you know, we get our news from the comedians now. Like, that's the real news. You don't, you don't listen to the TV. You don't listen to Fox and ABC. Like, that's not where you should get your news. If you want real news, you should listen to comedians. <laughs> and so <laughs> um, I, I agree. You know, I think you kind of said that in so many words earlier as well. And that that's what you're doing. Um but as well on one of your last points about the comedy scene, I've actually been involved in the comedy scene. One, uh, well, my best friend, Stephen Wiley, um, he was a comedian in San Antonio and a couple of times in Austin um, from our early twenties. And I would film every set of his. And then every comedian seeing me filming his set would ask, can you film my set? And then send it to me. So I made a little hustle out of it where I would 
charge people 25 bucks to film the set and send it to them and that type of thing. And, and we became disenchanted as we awakened more and more using psychedelics with that scene, with the drinking, with the nasty jokes, with the disrespect, people showing up, just being rude. You know what I mean? Like not kind. Um, and we really kind of said, how can we involve comedy in, a, in another form of art that we're enjoying? And, and that ended up taking uh, the form of music for him where he has this kind of comedy music project uh kind of like little dicky kind of like weird al where it's like it's good music but it's he, he says some funny stuff you know it's not to be taken 110 percent seriously um and i produce that music for him and, and help him with vis visuals and all that type of stuff so i'm definitely a big fan of comedy but also awakening you know so i can i can really feel where you're at and why i'm resonating so much with you um and I have another question, but before I get to that, how would you just respond to, to everything I'm saying so far? Um, well, I love everything you're saying, and I'd love to hear the music from your friend. And I recently started making music as well, which has been a really healing experience. And it's actually because of the ayahuasca plant told me that secretly I really want to make music, and it's something that I've repressed. And yeah. so I just actually performed music for the first time um, Mm -hmm. uh, I guess two months ago, right before I left, I was living in Northern California um, in Mendocino in a tiny cabin in the woods. And I performed at this, like, um, I don't even know what it was called, like a jam or whatever, but it was yeah. really healing. I performed the song that the ayahuasca plant told me to perform <laughs> and it was really so special. Um, but I, something I wanted to say based on what you shared is, um, so as I mentioned, I was on Prozac for 11 years and the main ingredient for, of Prozac is fluoxetine, which is derived from fluoride. So, um, fluoride, like you said, it, it calcifies the pineal gland, which is connected to our intuition, which is connected to our melatonin production, which is connected to our dream world, you know, and, um, I truly believe that I'll have to clear my throat, <coughs> to clear my throat chakra for dying in so many <laughs> lifetimes for talking about stuff. But, um, I believe that um, the way that Prozac worked for me was that the fluorite in it calcified my access to my soul. And so my anxiety that I experienced throughout my life was actually my soul trying to get in touch with me and trying to let me know, hey, Carlin, you're feeling that something isn't right is actually right. Like there is something not right in our society. It makes no sense that there are slaughterhouses the way there are. It makes no sense that there are wars. It makes no sense that we have a monetary system that is so unequal. It makes no sense that you know, that our cell phones can cause, you know, health issues and that the people behind it know that. And it makes no sense. And it starts to make sense when you realize that it does make no sense and that there's a lot more going on than we, than we're told on the mainstream news. And so I ended up enrolling in graduate school in something called spiritual psychology. And it's basically psychology from a spiritual framework and kind of realizing that all of the problems in our lives are kind of for our soul's upliftment, but also the way I took it, the way I took my education was realizing that anxiety for me was, like I said, my soul screaming out for attention and me finally listening to my soul has been very much helped through the use of plant medicine because I can finally relax enough to hear my own soul. And what my soul has told me is that I'm here for the new paradigm of comedy, which is right. using comedy 
to bring us back to innocence, which is truth, and to use comedy in a loving way, not a shame-filled way. So much of comedy, especially in the last few years, has been used to shame people who view things differently. So many late-night talk shows are basically forms of mind control to make it seem as if the mainstream herd mentality makes fun of anyone questioning things, such as what's been going on the last few years, to make it seem like anyone who questioned things is stupid. And I'm somebody who's felt stupid and crazy my whole life. And I actually came to the realization that that was a program because they program anyone who thinks differently into feeling stupid and crazy. And so once I recognize that, I kind of embrace now being stupid and crazy because to me, being stupid is being innocent. To me, being crazy is thinking differently. And I just feel once I recognize that our society has used comedy as a form of shame, I realize that I am here to shift things and to align with others who want to use comedy to shift things. And I still don't know what that even looks like, but like what you saw at Sunflower Club is a taste of my work. And I'm grateful that the host of that show, James McRae, he filmed my set and I'm going to be uploading it if anybody wants to see it to um, (laughs) my Instagram and um, YouTube which is just my name, Carlin Altman. Um, if you want to see, no pressure. You're going to hear me laughing maniacally in the background. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, <laughs> I just feel that, I mean, and that's the thing is that I, I have so much compassion for everyone. I have compassion for the people that get drunk and go to comedy clubs and heckle because deep down they want to be the shining star. I've noticed the people that heckle, they want mm. the attention. They want the love. And alcohol is sold at comedy clubs to keep people in a disconnected, low vibration state where they're more likely to laugh at things that are low vibration. To me, that's really what it is. And that's why I genuinely, I want to start a comedy club that's also a church so I can serve legal plant medicine during comedy sets in a microdose or a very low uh, dose capacity for people to access true innocence and joy through comedy and laughter. Because as I mentioned in my set and something that I think about laughter is one of the highest vibrations. Laughter really is the best medicine, although it's not FDA approved. And (laughs) I really feel that like laughter is kind of like crying. And I have recognized that the more that we have access to our own crying and the more that we have access to our own sad feelings, the more access to joy we have that when we close the aperture to our own heart to try to avoid feeling sadness, we're also closing our heart to love and to um, like true laughter and humor. And I think the last seven years of my life, I've been in what's called like the dark night of the soul of just kind of being able to open the aperture of my heart to access my own sorrow, to, to access my own shadows. And it's through that that I'm finally able to make comedy from an authentic place. And I hope my dad has since passed away, um, but I pray that he is proud of me because it's taken me <laughs> my entire, like, like he passed away and I inherited his house in a retirement home. And it was the first time in my life that I ever had money to put towards healing ever outside of the insurance system. And so I've spent the last seven years going to different holistic doctors, none of which are covered by insurance, none of which use pharmaceuticals. And they've all helped me tremendously. And if it wasn't for me having this money that very few people have have access to funds to go to holistic healers, 
um, I would maybe have killed myself by now, to be honest. And I hate to even say that, but I was in such a dark place trying to go off of Prozac. And there's really no resources for people to go off of Prozac. And when you go on antidepressants, the psychiatrist never really tells you how difficult the tapering off process will be. And I truly, that's something that I want to change. And that's also something that I'm working on. I'm becoming a health coach with an emphasis on holistic mental health, just because mm-hmm. I feel very, um, I feel inspired at how much healing is possible when we use plant medicine, both from a psychedelic standpoint, but also from an herbal standpoint. And I just also feel very angry that if it wasn't for me having this tragedy of my dad passing away, I wouldn't have had the money to fully heal or to even afford to go to plant medicine ceremonies or afford to be selective with my work. And I believe that our society, this matrix keeps people intentionally too busy to heal because healing is how we truly ascend. In my opinion, healing and facing the shadows is how we're going to tip this matrix over towards um, back to the organic timeline, which is true liberation of all beings. Yeah. Amen. Wow. Yeah, you just summed up like 60 episodes of my podcast in that little five-minute rant there. Um, <laughs> that's what I'm trying to get at in all of these. Uh, thank you so much for that. Um, sure. So, yeah, a lot, a lot there. One of them is uh, that I relate to that feeling that plant medicine saved my life, personally. Before it, I had just very little hope. I took everything for granted. I was a complainer. I was just never happy. Nothing's good enough. Internet's not going fast enough. The, you know, the AC didn't come on, you know, like my Uber Eats is five minutes late. (laughs) It's like, (laughs) that's not the way to look at the world. This is a pure opportunity. This is, this is an amazing opportunity to, experience the depth that life has to offer. Um, and I, I didn't have that insight. Um, but after plant medicine, I was just like, Oh, it's a miracle that I'm alive. It's a miracle that I'm here. It's a miracle. I can witness just these plants and these trees. Like, wow, I'm finally getting the message. I'm touching into that spiritual, um, dimension that I've heard referenced for my whole life, but never believed in because I've never seen it. And, Seeing is believing, you know, but now I'm seeing it. And okay, I'm really interested now. Um, I need to learn more about what's going on with my brain in combination with these medicines. Um, So I just went down that rabbit hole immensely and tried pretty much all of the medicines. And, you know, you do have to be lucky to be able to find access and safe containers to explore all that. And I do feel lucky in that way, in the same way you feel grateful and lucky that you had that money to be able to... um, because more than money for me, it was just my relationships were aligning in such a way that I was learning about these things and safe containers and having people guide me. And, you know, um, it, it did feel like I was following some type of breadcrumb trail to my healing and just slowly but surely, ceremony by ceremony, integrating those deeper understandings of my purpose, my dharma, why I'm here how to heal myself and then others because I think that's an important thing is to focus on ourself first before proselytizing and trying to bring other people on because then we're just hypocrites in a lot of situations because, you know, you're not even doing the thing you're telling other people to do. So, you know, I had to learn that firsthand where it's like, 
you know, I am on the soapbox and I am telling everyone they need to do this. It's helping me so much, but then I'm still haven't fully integrated it all yet. And, and I've worked really hard over the past five, eight years to do that to the point that I do feel comfortable with having a podcast about it now and these types of things. Whereas like I, I used to have a podcast and I closed it down because I was like, I just sound crazy. I just sound like a, a frantic fanatic, you know, <laughs> but now that I've done a lot of this healing work, I, I feel very confident in, in that this is my path to share this message, this message and uh, to have people on like you and stuff. Um, well, and yeah. feel free to respond before, before uh, jumping into the next question, but I'm curious in what order did you work with psychedelics and, you know, what came first mushrooms or LSD or ayahuasca and, and, and what, and how did you, what was the path there that was unfolding for you to want to try these next ones because it's a different story for everyone, you know? Yeah. Well, thank you for sharing your experience. And I so understand about, you know, the impatience that you felt with reality prior to trying plant medicine. And I truly believe that a lot of people could benefit from plant medicine when taken in the right context to experience that kind of impatience. I feel that that impatience is a spiritual parasite that mm-hmm. our society is afflicted with this um, affliction of immediate gratification, which is a combination of dopamine issues. But also I genuinely believe it's a spiritual parasite, kind of what some would refer to as the Wittigo mind virus, um, which is kind of just this consumption colonizer mindset that many indigenous people have referred to colonizers as having a mind virus and Mm. i believe that what plant medicine has done for me is remove the spiritual parasites that have been of that kind of consumption nature and that's not to say i don't consume anything or (laughs) go shopping or you know it's not that i've escaped the matrix and i'm living on a chemtrail free cloud in somewhere (laughs) but What I recognize, too, is that our society has been so addicted to control because control is based on not having trust. Control, the need for control is feeling as if you can't trust letting go. And most people in our society, including myself, have had very traumatic um, experiences that make us seek out control. And for me, I actually never thought I would ever try plant medicine because I was a very controlling, controlled person. I was diagnosed with obsessive compulsive disorder when I was nine. And that's why I was on medication partially for OCD. And when I was, I grew up in New York city, which is also a very matrix boxy place, but I always loved nature. And my mom always loved nature she is an artist who she volunteered at the Coney Island Aquarium um, where she lives. She lives in Brooklyn now. And she always took me to Costa Rica, even though she didn't have a lot of money. She always figured out a way to make sure I was exposed to nature. She would take me to Central Park. My dad, too. Um, he always loved nature. And at the same time, me and my parents were very controlling, controlled people because of all the trauma we all collectively have experienced. And it wasn't until my friend gave me um, like a an edible that he got for free when we were in California in 2015 did I get um, really high. And 
at that time, I had been working on a film that I wrote called Loners Together, which was about a girl who's deathly afraid of aging, which was based on me being deathly afraid of aging and wanting to be immortal. And when I got high on cannabis through this random edible, I recognized that my fear of aging came from my fear of death and loss of control. And I decided in that moment that I didn't want to make that film anymore, which was a huge issue because I had been working on that film for a few years and I got a lot of celebrities attached to being a part of it, like Jeff Garland, like Amy Sedaris, like Julian Casablancas. Like it was going to be my like big um, film thing because I had done another film a few years prior to that called The Color Wheel. And I had this mindset, well, if I'm famous in film, I can use my fame to awaken people to environmental issues and help heal the planet. Cause that's what you see when you watch TV, like, Oh, it's celebrities who have the most control over things. And because I was obsessed with control and I'm like, I want to heal this planet so I can finally feel free and safe. Um, I thought being a celebrity was the way to have control. So when I gave up doing that film, I was kind of in a weird place and I was friendly with this man, Daniel Pinchbeck, who's a writer who talks all about ayahuasca And when I heard about ayahuasca, I didn't know why, but I was like, I need to try ayahuasca. And at that time, that was 2000, maybe 2015, I was Mm -hmm. still on Prozac. And I learned, well, if you're on Prozac, you can't take ayahuasca. And so that's literally the main reason why I went off of Prozac was so I could one day try ayahuasca, even though my only experience was um, cannabis. And like I said, that experience in 2015, and then again in 2017 with the same friend who I thought was giving me CBD, but it was a full vial of (laughs) of, um, indica tincture, which completely changed my life. So first it was cannabis, and then it, and then a friend of mine. um, I guess I I tried psilocybin, but it didn't really like work for me at first, and and then. I tried 5-MeO-DMT, but I was in a a context where I didn't really feel comfortable or safe. And so I didn't really allow myself to really go go into it deeply. But what I did experience was really profound. And then I finally did try ayahuasca. And I've now since tried it four times and it's really been so healing for me and my ancestors, like, or at least my perception of my ancestors. I understand now so much of, especially my dad's side of the family so much more. And I really genuinely believe that if we were to get people like Klaus Schwab and Bill Gates and Jeff Bezos and all these people who are associated with um, the colonizing of earth and beyond at the expense of the soul. I really believe that this is how we shift this planet out of the Wetigo mind virus matrix. And I believe that these plants and animal medicines, they're really asking for us to be healed because they know that it's the humans and the future transhumanisms that are going to be the ones that need to be conscious enough to protect this planet. So I feel that plant medicine, plant souls are working in overdrive to wake up humanity in time. So we stay on the organic timeline rather than devolve into um, what I refer to and what the plant refers to me as the inorganic anti-life timeline, which is basically um, 
transhumanism, which is going to be presented as immortality, which is synthetic immortality. But I would say that as somebody like myself who is so afraid of dying and afraid of aging, I would be into living forever through transhumanism had it not been for plant medicine waking me up to the fact that we're not supposed to live forever. We're supposed to shine brightly in this human soul body experience, and then we're supposed to go on. And that actually, this is not the greatest thing in the world. There's so much more for us to experience after this lifetime. So the promise of immortality is selling us short to what is actually possible for our soul. And this is all just my opinion and the opinion of the plant <laughs> that I work with. So, I love yeah. it. I love it. Uh, relate <laughs> to everything there. And it's interesting because, yeah, that synthetic immortality is, uh, you know, what we would probably think of as more real. But as we see in these heightened states of consciousness that like an ayahuasca or a psilocybin or a 5-MeO can help us um, achieve that there is an immortal spiritual realm, an eternal spiritual realm, and we, our soul, is immortal and returns to that space, to that source. It, it returns to that which it came from. And that is immortality. We already are immortal. So in a sense, we're trying to solve a problem that doesn't need to be solved. You know, like we we already are in a in highly intelligent cycle. Um, some may call it samsara, you know, um, that it's been it's taken care of. It's not a problem that we need to be overly concerned with. Um Attention, what does that make you think about? Yeah, I, I totally agree. We, I think that it's already taken care of and the soul is immortal. And I think that it's only yeah. when we, because our, our society values the material so much and the acquisition of material accolades and objects, we're really afraid of losing those materials that we've spent our life force working so hard to attain and so I believe that it's because our society is so focused on the physical that we become so afraid of losing the physical because it's really the only realm that is, well, it's kind of funny because it's like, we're so focused on the physical, yet we're also dissociated from our own bodies in this culture, which I think is a kind of an irony, but it sort of makes sense because I believe that most people have experience trauma i believe that our society is inherently traumatic from hospital births to medical procedures yeah. to schooling systems that encourage obedience and the loss of imagination to a workforce where our posture has to be stifled our minds are stuck you know the all of the stuff mm -hmm. and so our outlet is materialism our re rebellion is consolidated into the consumption of of objects. So people are just really afraid of losing those objects because it's really all that they've been taught to uh, view as being free. And I really believe that um, true power is letting go. True power is not control. The old paradigm is based on control and mm -hmm. the new paradigm is based on letting go. And the new paradigm is based on there being no hierarchy. And that's something that I think about too. Like, I mean, I did stand up comedy at the Sunflower Club, but everybody is inherently funny. Everybody is inherently creative. Everybody is inherently an artist. And that's something that I feel very passionate about in my work is wanting everyone to access their own 
um, innocence and their own joy. And even if you don't make art as your job, it doesn't mean that you're not an artist and that there's this thing about comedians being on stage as if they're the truth tellers, but we're all truth tellers. And I think we're, we all can heal by, by accessing our imagination, which to me is, is the closest thing that most people have to spirituality, you know, because every the imagination is a, another realm, which is why our old paradigm society has disconnected us from our imagination because it's through our imagination that we can manifest a different timeline. And these are things that nobody has taught me, but these are things that the plant medicine and being alone in solitude has taught me. You can't fact check anything that we're talking about, but it's just an inner knowing that yep. that is very loud to me. And it's, it's been hard for me as somebody who grew up in New York city and in a family in the entertainment industry to have these realizations and kind of to be like, Oh my God, society is run by a very sick force. And how do I want to navigate it? And it's been hard for me to kind of really even identify what I call myself or what I do for a living. And I also, um, I've been infuriated at how expensive healing has been for me. And so I really, I've been, compiling a database of different plant medicines and different herbs and different modalities that have helped me with the hopes that they can become more accessible to people. And that's called 1-800-EARTH. And that's something that the cannabis plant told me that um, technology is not all bad. Technology can be used to bring us more connection with ourselves, our own inner nature and the nature outside. If we know how to use technology, it's not inherently bad. So and just like the fact that we can connect over this podcast together, which is so magical, mm-hmm. we can use technology to um, quicken the awakening for those with with the hearts and eyes to see. And I don't mean that in a pretentious way, like people that don't see, because I didn't see. I mean, I was a total cliched social justice warrior person who, um, and there's nothing wrong with that at all, but I now see that there's so much in the spiritual realm that is you can't vote a ballot box on. Yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, uh, I, this is this is what's coming up for me about how we're definitely seeing the same thing as far as like yes, this is how the government or the hierarchy or the Illuminati or whatever we want to say is controlling us. You know, we have the Matrix, we have the the shitty food, we have the fluoridated water, um, we have the shitty medicine they put us on. And yet we live comfortable lives, blessed lives here amidst all of it. You know, what is, you know, it's interesting because like, I'm, I disagree with the system, but it's also allowing me to do what I'm doing here in a comfortable way. Technology, you know, I, I don't like how much everyone's on Instagram. I don't like how much I'm on Instagram sometimes. Um, but Instagram's how I'm connecting with people and getting the word out and sharing, you know? So it isn't bad or good. It's about how we use it. The society, you know, I'm glad that the bank exists and that I don't have to go paying everyone. It can be at an automatic subscription for my Netflix and my SoundCloud and whatever. Like the bank is helping me there, you know? But like we know banks are evil. So it's like, what does this all bring up for you about what, how, how do we operate within this system? I mean, really, we're, we're living great lives. Um, we did have to navigate through a lot of the muck and like clear a, our mental 
about where to prioritize, what to do, what activities to do, what activities not to do, what to eat, what not to eat, and so on. But like, again, we have vegan restaurants now, you know, we have healthy options, thank God, right? You know, we can even get healthier options at HEB, organic stuff, you know. What does this all bring up for you? Um, I appreciate, I appreciate the reframe, like, and that's the thing, I'm not some, I mean, I, I am somebody who's drawn to extremes, and so prior to being here, as I mentioned, I was living in a cabin in Northern California, um, mm -hmm. and I had no Wi-Fi at all, <laughs> and I had, I would turn off the breaker box so I had no electricity when I went to sleep, because um, I wanted to protect myself from just right. EMFs. And I just, you know, as somebody who grew up in Manhattan, I, I definitely am drawn to extremes. And I'm somebody who I really love aspects of the matrix. I love, I love, you know, the convenience mm -hmm. of things, you know, especially after having lived in this cabin, I love indoor plumbing. I love going and getting pre-made guacamole. I love, you know, <laughs> just, you know, having an idea and going on YouTube and seeing that other people have that idea or people are teaching me things that I didn't think about. And there's a lot of really wonderful things. And I know for myself, like I've been somebody who for the last five years, I'm like, I want to start an off grid community. And that's part of what I've been researching. And to be honest, I found it to be, uh, you know, challenging from, you know, the idea of buying land to governing things to planning you know, like I'm no, I used to be vegan. I'm no longer vegan. Now I eat grass fed beef and, uh, mm -hmm. fish. And I just recently started eating chicken, which is hard. Cause I, I love animals so much, but anyway, the point is I'm like, well, if I have this off grid community, are we going to kill animals? Like, this is going to be horrible. I can't do that. Yeah. And you know, I've had all these thoughts. Yeah. Right. And so, and I, so I recognize, you know, like the government and these systems, like they took the initiative to create a matrix. They created a system and I applaud them for that. Just like I applaud a lot of people who maybe they make kind of crappy movies or they make crappy podcasts or crappy art, but you're like, well, at least they did something. Whereas like I could have all these high utopia like viewpoints, but if I'm not enacting things because of indecision or doubt or whatever um and sociopaths don't have a lot of uh, self-awareness so they just go for things you know which i, I commend i'm not saying everybody who runs society is a sociopath there's a lot of good people but um i also do think that um mm, there's something about and this is maybe a weird thing to talk about but instagram podcasts YouTube, a lot of these things are kind of a way to make truth tellers complacent in a weird way. And I'm just being honest about that for myself, because mm -hmm. I know I've posted on Instagram for years about really unpopular topics like 5G whiz and, um, you know, just lots of things. And it's because I didn't have the guts to go to the federal communications committee or to go to government or to, mm -hmm. to do something, you know, in a loving legal way, of course, that is, you know, more rebellious. And so sure. we can sit all day and talk about stuff, but there's really to me, um, uh, I think what's truly needed is, creating a parallel society um, yeah. where we have these, the benefits that we 
you know, use in the matrix, like the benefits of technology, but we do things in a high frequency way where our phones are not, you know, I think there's something so funny and ironic of me posting about 5G while I'm like irradiating myself on my cell phone, you know, to like make people go on my Instagram to learn about how toxic their phone is while they're holding their phone. It's like, it's kind of like, so what we need to do is have the greatest minds who have been used to work in the matrix, have the greatest minds figure out how do we make cell phone towers that create harmonizing frequencies? How do we make banking systems that, um, that you accrue interest and that interest can be towards buying land to protect plants and plant medicine? How do we create entertainment that teaches people in a joyful, funny way? How do we just create makeup and clothing that is not made from petrochemicals and toxins? It's, it's not about going back to this minimalist, um, kind of feudal, I don't even know if it's a feudal, but like feral feud. I don't know. The way that I kind of started to go like living in this cabin and being like, fuck society. I'm like, no, it's not, it's not that I hate society. It's that I know that something better can be born. And there's a lot of people that talk about this, like Charles Eisenstein and other, other wonderful voices. But I really do think that it's, it's about, it's about action. It's about action. And I've been trying to figure out what that action is. And I still, you know, I'm still figuring it out, you know, with my company 1-800 Earth in terms of what I want to do. I I don't, I don't have the answers quite yet. I mean, I do think if somebody were to like give me like a million dollars, I could probably figure out a lot of stuff. But at the same time, I, yeah, I think that it's going at the pace it should, but I would say that yeah, yeah, there's something about talking and talking and talking. It's like, yeah, we know things. We know there's a war on consciousness. We know 5G is bad. We know the food's toxic. But what are we doing about it? And it's, it's, right. it's, it's hard to figure out solutions. It really is. But right. I know that they're coming. And I think the more that we turn inwardly and the more that we connect with each other and really and put our egos aside or our sense of like I came up with this because the whole, the whole concept of I came up with this is exactly why our society is the place it's in where we have intellectual property patents, stopping people from accessing free energy and free medicine because somebody wants to claim ownership over ideas. When even the word idea is vision of God idea is vision of God. We all are given visions of God and nobody owns these ideas. Just like nobody owns food. You can patent GMOs just like you can create weather modification, just like you can create patents, but nobody owns anything. And I think we need to internally realize that we don't even own our ideas. That way we should be releasing our ideas for the betterment of humanity, which is what I think is necessary. So I know that's a long Mm. answer, but I hope that helps. Love it. No, well said. Absolutely. I agree. And I think that um, there's a couple points there. One was about, you know, the podcasting and the entertainment being a YouTuber, um, slightly complacent type things. Um, I I agree that it can be that way. Um, One thing that came up for me when you said that is we're in our education phase still. Totally. And we're not in our, you know, like I'm learning right now so that I know the moves to make. Exactly. And that's, I totally agree. Yeah. So like, I think that that's part of a path people get on and thank God they're there so they can get to the next stage, you know? Um, But I do agree that maybe more that activism making impact in the world in a physical sense. I like to think I do that with my yoga, you know, because I teach yoga 
sometimes we have five people, sometimes we have 20 people or however many, um, that's awesome. Um, at festivals, you know, bigger, bigger people at festivals, uh, big, larger amount of people at festivals. But what I'm saying is like part of my dharma and the messages I'm getting from these psychedelics is you need to be out there teaching with your presence as well and not just through the Internet. You know what I mean? Like totally showing up for people and holding space for community, helping them try something new that maybe they wouldn't have before. And uh, these, these these yoga poses, these meditations you know like uh i hearken back to them all the time um when i first learned about them through my yoga class i started doing it at the red light now i'm practicing a little breath work you know and what's the red light uh, so like well i I have a red light over here which is red light therapy but i I, at that moment i was intending uh more like the red light at the traffic stop oh oh, gotcha i thought that was like a cool like yoga studio i'm like i don't know the red light but yeah no i know what you mean just like when you have free moments for mindfulness yeah it's just like i used to just be bored here waiting now i can do a little alternate nostril breath work you know do a little whatever it might be just to to put me in a calmer state and um feeling grateful for the moment um, I do have a red light. You could probably see in the background, the red yeah. light therapy is big. Are you familiar with red light therapy? Mm-hmm. I, I, am. I love I, it. I'm really grateful for it. I made my phone red. Um, so I'd, I, yeah, I have that just, setting too. Awesome. Yeah. And it's interesting too. I'm actually somebody that, to be honest, I've hated yoga because I could never figure it out. But I realized like that also had this kind of perfectionism about it, you know, cause I would go to like trendy yoga classes in New York and I'd feel so like klutzy and I'm like, Oh, I'm like, I hate yoga, but it's not that I hate yoga. Mm-hmm. It's just kind of the, like the culture ar- around it. But I'm noticing in recent years, there's a lot uh-huh. more accessible kind energies around these things and also within myself i'm not such a perfectionist anymore um so i i'd love to take a yoga class with you or just like i would do it and i think it'd be it'd be more your style because i've been to those hard classes (laughs) you know ashtanga flow and it's like in out up down left right and it's like it feels militant yeah totally and i don't i don't love that yeah, same. And I don't. And then like people that. are competing. Who can do it better? My head stands better than yours. You know, like we don't do that in my <laughs> class. That's great. Yeah, and I, I was gonna say too. Like, I don't like being that close to lots of people. So I want to create a yoga mat that's kind of bigger. That's like oh, yeah. maybe it already exists, but I want to say Namaste. Stay away from me. But I'm, nah, just, I'm sure go. that already exists. But I was gonna say too, like yoga and meditation all of these things, in my opinion, and what I've received inwardly from the plants are the reason why they're so helpful is because they're helping us access more oxygenation through our bodies. You know, that's the yoga poses, just like plant medicine is helping me access more oxygenation through my body, through the relaxing of my body so I can hear my own soul. That's how I see it, at least that plant medicine helps me relax. So not only is it the plant spirit talking to me, but it's also my own soul is relaxed enough to be heard. And I believe whether it's meditation, whether it's yoga, whether it's plant medicine, what is the most healing is the oxygenation on our planet. And there have been forces that want to lower oxygenation and lower carbon dioxide on our planet. And to me, that's my greatest passion out of anything beyond comedy. (laughs) I mean, using comedy, but is increasing the quality of oxygen on this planet because air is our access to prayer. When we breathe in, that is our manifestation ability. That's why when we breathe in and we have a thought, it's almost like we're, we're breathing in that reality, which is why when you have less oxygen through um, 
pollution and through, you know, the way that our, our phones, you know, we, people experience something called screen apnea, which is like sleep apnea, where when people are looking at their screens, they're not breathing in as much. Um, mm. In addition to the fact that 5G technology is apparently at the 60 hertz bandwidth, which is the oxygen bandwidth. So there are theories which are considered conspiratorial that suggest that 5G lowers oxygenation on our planet. And from what I've learned inwardly from plants, unfortunately, whether this is conspiracy or not, that there has been an agenda to disconnect us from, from um, breath, uh, which is life. There's been an anti-life force on this planet, which is not funny to talk about, obviously. But I believe that we can heal and transmute this. And I believe that um, if there is a force like this, I hope that they find healing. And yeah. I hope that they get to experience true healing because the slaveholder is just as much a slave as the slave. Those who try to control the flow of life on this planet, they're just as much imprisoned as those who they are trying to imprison. And so I feel like if they are to let go and to let God, that they will experience the same level of relaxation that I'm finally experiencing now that I've let go and accepted that I'm a crazy person who's connected to God through plant medicine. Yeah, me too. Let's go. Let's go. It's good Let's to be go. crazy with you. Yeah, you too. <laughs> um, another point I wanted to make a little earlier about society and the matrix and the shittiness of the system most people are are, are in and, and can't see beyond um, is that perhaps it's not the killing of an old society and culture and the birthing of a new, but rather a transformation that more or less like the phoenix, you know, the, that, that archetype of the phoenix, the bird, yes. it like kind of like for it to become its adult version, almost its advanced Pokemon, you know, it has to, at least in the Harry Potter movie, it like burned and transformed itself from one to another. And maybe we are the carriers of that torch th that will help to transform society. Um, I love that. And, and I believe that we incarnate on earth during a particular time for a particular reason. And people like you and I, with the skill sets that we have and the perceptive nature that we hold, um, we incarnated to, to do that, to, to be yeah. those torch bearers for the transition, for the transformation of, this, of society. So it's not like one is evil and bad and I hate it. And one is the best and I'm a, you know, uh, I, I'm on that wave. It, it's just that it's part of our duty to alchemize it and to operate within it, but to help transform it, I think is what was coming to me. I love that. I, I very much relate to that. I mean, I'm the last person that would have ever thought I would have had a spiritual awakening and talking about <laughs> these things at all. Like I was just super goofy and just making fart jokes and, you know, just <laughs> like, and I, I really do believe, like I said, it's like air is prayer. If we believe that we can shift and that we're here for the transformation, that is what we're going to manifest, which is also why I recognize that, you know, like most people who go through an awakening journey, we're drawn to very dark and upsetting conspiratorial content because it's the first time where we feel like we have validation that things are not quite what we think. But I also yeah. recognize too through spiritual law, like the law of attraction, that when we're energizing a specific timeline, 
through our own fears, it's not the best form of activism or quality of life from my own personal experience. I believe that Mm -hmm. a lot of content on the internet that's conspiratorial is made by very traumatized people who are very afraid, like I've been afraid, but who are using scary music and really low vibrational music. Mm -hmm. And in a way, if we know that reality is really consciousness, if everybody who's awakening is watching the scary stuff and feeling afraid, I believe that it can be a disservice to actually taking action. I will say that I recognize a lot of people drawn to the spiritual path and to conspiratorial content are people who have experienced um, trauma and tragedy. And, you know, so we're seeking answers and we're seeking relief that the mainstream is not giving to us. That's why many people are drawn to plant medicine, because like myself, as somebody who tried Prozac, Paxil, Effexor, Wellbutrin and other things to heal my anxiety, none of those things worked and so i'm like you know what i'm gonna smoke a toad fuck it like i don't care like i'll just try it you know like give me give me what you know and i recognize that um we must hold in our hearts that the world that we know is possible exists like i feel like charles eisenstein says something literally like that but it's it's true it's like it's we literally must know that we're here because we're not here to just watch reality be obliterated by AI. We're here to create a new organic reality where everyone can heal. And I genuinely secretly pray that all of the internet goes down through a solar flash. So then we're going to have to really work in the physical realm. And I actually think that that's going to happen. That sounds crazy. I think the cosmic joke is that our, the earth is going to save herself from the, you know, like that's, what's happening that's why this awakening is happening because um the scale between light and dark has tipped too far too dark and i believe that you know even the people like i said earlier the people who have been perpetrators who have been the slaveholders or the spiritual slaveholders on this planet they need healing too and i really pray that they find healing and just like i said it's like having control is so overrated and i've learned that in my own life Well, about those people, I think, and I've, I've explored this on a number of podcasts, so I've got a pretty refined version of it now, but essentially people like you and I thriving and becoming successful in the field of this healing and spiritual world and psychedelic world is what's going to inspire those other people to want to change and to learn about it. It's not that we telling them necessarily this is what you need to do, but rather them seeing the results of it in our lives them seeing the results of maybe their son or their daughter or their uncle or whoever it might be. But also these famous people that's like, dude, you're killing it. You know, how do you do it? It's like, well, I'm working with microdoses and spirituality and meditation and yoga, and it's really keeping me on my game. And then they're like, damn, I need to try that. You know, I've seen that time and time again in my life where, you know, it's just, you have to, you have to win that battle through, uh, proving an example and then being a positive person, a positive beacon of, you know, expression or whatever it might be, I think is, is how we get more people on the wavelength and they will like, even my mom is like, she's, she's slowly like, I think I heard your podcast and you know, stuff like that. She's definitely not into this stuff, but it's, it's cool that, you know, just me being her son is now introducing her into that a little bit. And, uh, other people will be, 
affected in those ways um, through these thought leaders and the comedians and um, people like Joe Rogan. I'm sure he's turned on a ton of people. You know what I mean? Like I, I learned about DMT. I probably through him and the film DMT, the spirit molecule, which he was a host of. Nice. Um, so anyway, yeah. I, I did want to well, go ahead. Go ahead. No, I just, I totally ag- agree with you on that. I think, yeah, we have to walk the walk and, I think I've known with myself that when I try to get people to heal through like begging people, like even my dad, he, right. before he passed away, I was like, Oh, you should try soursop fruit because it's the highest level of antioxidants and da da da. Just okay. funny. Even the word antioxidant, that's funny. Antioxidant. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. But again, there can be too much oxygen. We Actually, carbon dioxide is what we really need to focus on healing. We need carbon right. dioxide on this planet. That's what the plant medicine has told me. That has been one of the biggest misunderstandings. of More the trees, right? Movement. We need more trees. And that's what I was going to say yeah. my, to, in response to your amazing um, reflection is that I think that not only do we need more people um, – trying to, or, you know, seeing our healing and being drawn to it, but we also need preservation of the land and the indigenous people and the stories, but especially the land. I really believe that we need to protect as much land on this planet as possible. And just, just so we make sure that these plants do not get tampered with and these medicines don't get tampered with i believe that sunlight and having the power of the sun within these plants like sun-grown plants is really important because light is information the fact that like all of our food is inform information to us because of the light within it this is from the plant telling me this but also like just in general like i know this to be true and so i just think we need to make sure that we collectively pool money and resources to buying land and this is what my company 100 earth that's one of my big objectives that I haven't quite achieved. I've been traveling basically yeah, the last yeah. two years looking for land and in the process spending all my money. So I don't, I don't have as much money yeah, to buy yeah. land that I did initially on my, like, I'm going to buy land and create a healing comedy church. And I'm like, Oh God, I have to make money. I have to make, I have to figure it out. But I, I have faith right. that, that we're in this together and that those souls who are resonant will find each other and that we can make this fun. Like awakening can be hard, but it doesn't need to be all like doomsday documentaries. We can make it fun and it is fun. I mean, this really, like I mentioned in my comedy show, it's like, we're superheroes. We incarnated at such a magical time. And the fact that we have like the leisure to even record this show, this wonderful show, which I'm so grateful that you're doing is that like, it's we're in such a blessed time. Like we live at the crossroads where we have access to the natural world and we have technology in a place where I genuinely believe that um, the internet was given to us as almost like the tiniest fraction of the technologies that are available to us, both within our own inherent telepathic abilities, but also, you know, like invisible technologies and things that have been hidden from us. But I believe, and the plant has told me this before, that the internet has been given to us as a way to further disempower us. But the good thing and the way that truth rises to the surface is that um, the internet is now being used to, to free us to have awakening moments like watching zeitgeist, which too was one of my biggest mm-hmm. uh, moments where I was like, wait, the whole thing with Sunday being like the sun and you know, the day yeah. I was like, what? And then I literally went to Florida to meet Jacques Fresco of the Venus project um, mm-hmm. who was featured in that. And, you know, he t- the whole concept of the Venus Project is using technology um, to to make 
uh, our world like this magical utopia. And I believe that technology can, we're at this crossroads where technology can be used to, to empower us. Like, and I, yeah, I just think that even the dark force on this planet, they need to giggle and they need to heal. And so I just Mm -hmm. pray that, um, we all find healing. And if somehow we don't, then we'll come back in another lifetime. And that's okay too. Like I, even if I don't save this planet through my own awakening and blah, 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 it's like, I just know that like I did the best that I could through my own inner healing. And we can't, we can't make anyone heal. Like I tried to, I've tried many times to get my mom to do ayahuasca, but to be honest, healing is really hard. I mean, you have to face a lot of darkness. And if you don't feel safe enough to face darkness, it's really hard. And so right. I understand that. And well, I'm just imagining your mom seeing you on a special on Netflix eventually. And that ayahuasca really worked. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I mean, now she, thank you. Thank you so much. If Netflix would even have me, but yeah, no, thank, thank you. I mean, I feel that it's true. And something I will say, I'm, I'm grateful for the popularity of psychedelics. Like I think it's really beautiful. And at the same time, the plant has warned me that, there's an agenda to weaken the strains of a lot of plants and make what's accessible to the public not so much medicinal as it is to be used for complacent, like lazy, apathetic yeah. vibes. So we need to protect the genetic heritage of these plants and make sure that they're sun-grown and organic because when they get into the hands of governments that want to patent them, um, it's not for our soul's evolution, which is why I think it's perfect. The word soul is similar to soil, which is similar to soul, like the sun, which is similar to Mm. soul, like the soul of the feet. Like we need to just reconnect to nature. And I just believe that, yeah, we just have to be aware that anytime something is mainstream to make sure that the sources that we're getting these plants from and the people that are working with them are doing it with integrity and being kind to the plant and not just creating like psychedelic tourism to charge like an annoying white person with a big hat. Exactly. Like who's wearing sweatshop, big hat. (laughs) Like, like, you know, and something, one last thing I want to mention too, is I notice how important it is to have enough minerals in my body when I do plant medicine, because um, magnesium can be depleted and other minerals. Um, and just like the soil needs minerals for plants to grow. It's like, I believe that minerals are really important if you're to engage or for me to engage in plant medicine is something that I recognize now. Are there any others other than magnesium you would recommend? I, I believe that having enough salt is really high quality salt. I use Redmond salt, um, not iodized table salt, but Redmond salt is really good for having enough of you know, like minerals are like conductors and our water system used to have a lot more minerals in it. Our soil used to have a lot more minerals in it. And Mm. so, um, I would say, yeah, magnesium is important and Mm -hmm. iodine, calcium, chromium. Um, these are all the things I'm learning in my health coaching certification because I really want to combine plant medicine, comedy, (laughs) natural health, and like creating a healing center church community in the near future. That's fun and not pretentious. And I want it to be affordable. Let's go. go. Yeah. I would love to help with that, with anything music or podcast related. If you ever, if you get it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's keep that in mind. Um, Have you ever tried liquid IV? Um, I've had a, I've had like a B12 glutathione IV. Is that what you're referring to? 
Okay, no. So I thought the same thing when someone mentioned liquid IV at first. So it's actually a little packet that you pour into a water and it's got salt and like different electrolytes. Oh, and- yes. I have I have had that. I feel like I've even heard that on a podcast advertised, but I'm pretty sure it yeah, has sure. a lot of caffeine in it. I think that was why I didn't take it. Oh, no, I don't think. Oh, there are caffeinated versions. There are, but uh-huh. I get the uncaffeinated version. And I was just going to say it's definitely good. a good kind of salt, electrolyte, healthy, mineralizing, feeling little hydration drink. Um, oh, good. Oh, I'm not sponsored by them, but I love them. And, you know, they sell them at HEB and whatnot. That's but, so um, cool. I'm glad to hear about that. Yeah, I, the one I had at an airport, it made the water taste amazing. Like I got bottled water and put one of those in there, but it also had caffeine in it. And I was like, felt like crazy because I don't really drink right. coffee. Right. They might have bought that by accident, honestly, because, <laughs> yeah, they, they. I think I have definitely seen caffeinated versions, but I think that the big main product is is that one. But um, Oh, cool. I take one called Body beautiful. Health. Body Health is the brand of the ones that I like. Um, oh, okay. I'll but anyway, but, but yeah, I just, I know it's like a tangent, but I just feel like mm-hmm. something I've recognized in myself is sometimes I or people I know can become almost addicted to plant medicine because it creates, uh, you know, this, this out-of-body magical experience. And I just think mm-hmm. that, um, yeah, making sure you have enough minerals and integration and yeah, it's, it's just so I've just learned that over my own experience because mm-hmm. I've just well, I want to say about addiction and plant medicine and why I think it's for many people not a problem. I some of them are a little more alluring than others. Um, but but for some reason for me, things like mushrooms, DMT, LSD, sometimes even cannabis tend to have a self-regulating mechanism in them where there's an intelligence in there that'll tell you something along the lines of, hey, this is going to be your last trip in a while because we don't want you back. (laughs) And thanks for being here. We're going to tell you what you came to learn, but make sure it's a long while before you return here because we've seen you twice the past week and this is too often. (laughs) That's amazing. Yeah, that's, you know, I've had that experience too. And that's actually like, even the cannabis plant has, I've received a lot of downloads working with that plant. And they're like, all right, Carlin, you have to share them now. You have to share them. Like, stop coming to me. You have to share them. Do you Same, promise yeah. to share them? And sometimes I've even had to write it on a piece of paper. Like, I promise to share this message. And to be yeah. honest, I, this is, I haven't said this anywhere yet, but like, so I'm starting to share my channel information um, through a show called earth to Carlin, which I don't even know if it's a podcast or just me like talking to myself, (laughs) but, but they made me, the plant spirits have made me like promise to share my voice, even when it's not funny, because Mm. I have to, for my soul's evolution and the healing of other people who may resonate with what I have to share. And sometimes it'll be funny and sometimes it won't. And I feel like, um, yeah. I'm just putting that out there as that's something that the plants were like, all right, Carla, you got to share this. Cause like, so right. I, so agree. I got that. I mean, that's why I started the podcast again, you know, was, I again, that. I had one that I had put to rest, but, and I took a long break from podcasting, but eventually, you know, the plants were definitely like, it's time for you to return and start sharing again. And so I listened to that and so grateful I did. I'm so um, glad you did too. Thank you. But before we run out of time, um, I was attracted a bit in your set as well to these kind of more um, 
out there topics. And I did want to ask you about aliens and UFOs and your thoughts on whether or not they're real, what they are. Have you had any experiences with them? You know, or even things like reptilians, you know, even things (laughs) like reptilians. It's like, is this a thing? You know, Uh, I know we're in the conspiracy zone now and this is more for my entertainment than a scientific paper. But I'm just curious, like, what, what is your thought on... Yeah, you know, aliens, UFOs, and entities, and reptilians, and weird, weird stuff. You know, because I felt like I, I felt a little bit of that peppered throughout your set. Yeah, well, I think in my set I talked about how I used to work at MTV, which is true, and I, I was a climate change journalist at MTV. This is around 2014 and 15, and and 16, I guess. No, 15. And anyway, the point is, is that I would casually ask people who worked at MTV if, if the company was run by reptiles and that was literally while I was kind of before my spiritual awakening I would kind of like joke about it you know like oh is it run by reptiles and Mm -hmm. um (laughs) I and yeah like everyone was like no haha except my one friend was like yeah let me let's talk about this outside work and then he never told me and so I still I'm gonna I'm gonna find out from him what his points are but um as for me I'm somebody who just in the same way I used to I used to not believe in God until my spiritual awakening, even though I used to run a jewelry company called Jewish Rosaries, which is like an old chapter of mine, which was rosary company, uh, rosaries with Jewish stars on them out of my love of um, Judaism and Catholicism. Anyway, the point is, is that to answer your question, I just in the way I used to not believe in God and I was kind of jokey about things like with my company, Jewish Rosaries was kind of like a joke. Um, I also used to joke about aliens and I truthfully, I, once I started learning about being an indigo child and I, I started learning about that concept and the concept of Pleiadians and my, a friend of mine told me about this book, bringers of the dawn by Barbara Marciniak, which is all about the Pleiadian aliens. And when I listened to it, I was like, wait a minute, I think I'm a Pleiadian alien. Like this. So Mm -hmm. this book was so resonant, but obviously like I can't prove that I, but it just felt like you know, the, and I highly recommend checking this book out for anyone who's listening. It's on YouTube, Bringers of the Dawn by Barbara mm-hmm. Marciniak. It's, yeah, it's on YouTube as an audiobook. But I was going to say that around that time, that was maybe like 2018, I saw two UFOs outside my door in um, California and Los Angeles. And it was so crazy because I knew, it, I had this feeling, Carlin, go outside. So I went outside and I looked up and I saw two crafts and I, and I heard in my heart, we know that, you know, that we're here and we're watching and it's okay. And it was just so, and it was weird. Cause I wasn't even like disturbed or scared. I just like went back inside and kind of like forgot about it. It was such a trippy thing and I was not high or anything, but it was, I think I needed that. Cause that was, I was very anxious and it was like, they almost were just like, Carlin, like the earth is going to be okay. Cause I, even before the mm-hmm. pandemic, I kind of sensed that something was going to happen of this nature. And I've just been worried about what's going to, you know, how, what do I do? And, you know, and yeah. they were like, Carlin, like we're watching. And so there was that experience. And again, I can't prove that that's true. It totally could have been like a satellite, but I, I know in my heart that it was, but I then mm-hmm. went to, I, the plant medicine told me about inner earth 
and that there are beings inside the earth. And I was like, that's so interesting. And they were saying like, that's what the attack on earth has been about is they want to access what's in the inner earth. And I was like, that's so weird. That's something I never would have consciously thought of. So I drove to Mount Shasta, California, because that's like a really big Mm. um, place where a lot of people talk about inner earth and just like an MTV just like an MTV where I was like, Hey guys, like, are there reptilians? Like I went through Mount Shasta being like, can anybody take me to the inner earth? And I kind of did it as a joke. Cause I knew no, no like persons could like, sure. Here's the, here's the escalator down to the inner earth. But I definitely believe, um, in aliens and, but I also, I can make fun of myself and be like, yeah, like I can't prove that. But I also think that you can't really prove a lot and I think it would actually be really weird if there weren't aliens and like we're just the only ones on earth and as for reptilians I the I in studying trauma healing I learned about the limbic system in our brain which is known as you know where we go into fight or flight which is known as the reptilian part of the brain and what Mm. I recognize is that I believe that a lot of people who have run this planet are living in their reptilian part of the brain, their limbic Mm. system in fight or flight, which makes them want to colonize things and makes them very impatient when they can't control things because that is a trauma response because you lack trust if you seek out control. And I believe that whether people are secretly like lizards dressed up as humans, like in the movie they live, or if they're just, you know, humans who are traumatized Mm -hmm. and reptilian, whatever it is they need healing and I hope that they can be healed. But what we can do is just focusing on shining our light and not, not supporting systems that we don't want, which is why one thing I want to say lastly about my company, one at hundred earth, I genuinely, the plant told me I need to make a compare competitor to amazon.com. And it told me I need Mm -hmm. to sell all natural products and that a big portion of sales will go to buying land to protect for plant medicine and for indigenous people and for Americans and for people all over the world. So if Bill Gates and other people are buying up land that we are able to support small businesses and use that money to buy land rather than pay for Jeff Bezos to go to outer space where he's wearing a clown wig from Amazon Prime. Just kidding. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Love it. That's funny. Um, I don't want to exactly repeat myself from my last podcast in case people had just heard it. But, you know, me and Michael were talking about how... Have you seen the movie Interstellar? No, I have not. Oh, you got to see it. Okay. Well, well. anyway, I shouldn't say this then. It's going to be a... It's gonna no, you, you can ruin it. It's fine. <laughs> it's okay. okay. Well, the idea is that the aliens are us from the future coming backwards in space time because we're so highly advanced that we figured out how to traverse space time and built the crafts, the crafts. And so maybe that was you giving yourself some reassurance that you needed the future. You, I love Um, that. You know, I don't know. I, I have really weird experiences with psychedelics that just, that seems to be a type of a thing that comes to my mind. Like, Hmm. Could that be a future me guiding me? You know, I love and even that. in an even in an alien ship, you know. So anyway, watch Interstellar. Think you'll <laughs> like it. That'll make a little more sense once you've seen that film. Um, and I agree that 
these people that w- are running the world definitely need need the healing and I love your point about oxygen as well. And I think that's why breath work is blowing up right now. And even why yoga is blowing up right now, because it does oxygenate the body. And um, as well, when you learn breath work, you can actually modulate your psychedelic experiences. So you could be on ayahuasca, um, having a pretty dandy time, not too intense. You, You know, you're feeling pretty comfortable. Do a round of breath work let's just say 30 breaths, big breaths, it'll turn that ayahuasca trip very trippy, very highly energized, very DMT, like you just took a hit of DMT. Um, And so breath as well modulates the psychedelic states. Um, I think a lot of people know that, but in case someone doesn't, and you're on LSD and it's underwhelming, you do some breath work and it'll kick it up, um, at least for a few minutes. I've noticed in, in my experiences, when I com- combine yoga, breath work, mindfulness, meditation and with psychedelics, it just potentiates that experience so much further to the point that I take a lot less now because I know how to go up and I don't need it all. It's like, I don't need to take three grams of shrooms. I'll take half a gram of shrooms and just do some breath work and it hits me the same, you know, so. That's so, that's so helpful. And that's exactly why I've been so passionate about making sure our air is clean, um, Mm -hmm. stopping pollution, stopping weather modification and cloud seeding that uses synthetic things in our atmosphere because our breath is so important. So we must protect the air so we can heighten these experiences, both psychedelic and non-psychedelic. Um, but Mm -hmm. I, I totally agree. And breath work I believe is, is, so healing because when we're in fear, we often shorten our breath and through breath work, we can access that stagnant trap trauma and Mm -hmm. help heal it in a deep way, but it involves letting go of control. And I think that, like I said, it's like the greatest power is letting go. It's not having control. And the times I've learned Mm -hmm. the most are when I let go and and so, yeah, I totally encourage everyone to try breath work. I'm grateful to my therapist, Stacy Matulis, who taught me how to do breath work. And I remember mm-hmm. even having memories of scents I smelled during traumatic moments. I was like, how am I remembering that? And she was like, that's actually really common in breath work. You can remember things you smelled during a traumatic experience mm-hmm. that you dissociated from. And I was like, that's our brains. Our whole being is so incredible. And I just think, yeah, there's an irony to the desire to to go into the stars, to, you know, colonize Mars, when people can't even sit with themselves and meditate and be alone and breathe. (laughs) And, Mm -hmm. and I just think that, yeah, you can run from, you can run from the present through AI, through transhumanism, through consumption, but ultimately it's coming back to the present. And that's why I really would love to organize a plant medicine ceremony for the World Economic Forum, which sounds delusional, mm. but I emailed them and I was like, Wait, if you ever want to learn about plant medicine, but actually it was a plant telling me to do that. Like I don't, they, they were like, uh, like I'm, they're not into it. But I really think that if we just envision these people um, being healed, I literally right. like just imagining Jeff Bezos, Klaus Schwab, Bill Gates, all these people, people we don't even know of, just all of them crying and hugging each other and mm-hmm. us all hugging each other in a loving, 
consensual way, us freeing the animals, us freeing the trees, us freeing ourselves, our inner children, the aliens who might be our future selves looking at us, smiling, them feeling free. I just think like us using our imagination towards that is our magic. And I just hope people know how powerful and wonderful they are. So thank you for listening to us talking. Amen. Thank you so much, Carla. That's amazing. Glad to have you today. Thank you, man. And uh, hope to do more in the future, you know, so. Would love that. Amazing. So how do people find you? You know, you want to shout out your ad and your website and all uh, that good stuff. Yeah, I, so my Instagram is Carlin Altman, C-A-R-L-E-N-A-L-T-M-A-N. And that's the same. My website is also my name and yeah, people can get in touch with me or, you know, I, right now I've just been yeah building this database 1-800 earth. It hasn't been released yet, but there it's, I want to have uh, all kinds of fun healing things and just resources for people and have it be kind of like social media for people to meet up and go for walks and be outside together. And also, like I said, a marketplace of organic products and you know, a directory of farms where people can access organic food. So we really can use technology to unite in the real world. So, but if anyone's interested in any of the weird things I'm doing or my stand-up comedy or music or anything, um, just, yeah, go find me on Instagram or uh, my website. And then, yeah, thank you so much. And what's your website again? Oh, it's just my name, Carlin Altman, C-A-R-L-E-N-A-L-T-M-A-N.com. And I, but I've been building, I'm, this is one thing, last thing I'll say, I've been really sensitive to technology. I have something called electro hypersensitivity, which I've actually since almost cured from eating meat, which is a whole other story. <laughs> but, um, mm-hmm. I would say that, um, and also adding salt and minerals, but I had all these EMF devices, but basically it's taken me a really long time to make anything on the internet. So I'm looking for editors and people who can help me on the technical side of things to make my vision come true. And if anyone's interested in helping me, because I'm really slow with technology and in a way I think that that's been like a blessing, but it's also like I've been filming a documentary about the last two years of being on a road trip trying to escape the matrix. And I'm looking for an editor who's open to all these right. crazy ideas. Um, Cause I'll, I, I feel a bit self-conscious like um, trying to get like mainstream kind of thinkers to yeah. help me edit something where I'm alluding to an interdimensional spiritual world. <laughs> I love it. So, but it's all done with, with lightness too, because something I realize is that I don't know anything, you know, it's like, we're having this talk, but we could, this could all be a dream, you know? And it's like, we don't even know it's real. So I can't claim that anything I know is true. I just know what's helped me and I just want to share with as many people what I believe is helping. And I think community, communication, plants, breath, love, playfulness, humor, um, all of those things are helpful. So. Amen. Well, this has been a scene from waking life, you know, I'm just kidding. But um, <laughs> thank you so much, Colin, for being here. Thank and you, uh, thank you guys for listening. So we'll see you I on the next I love you. Episode. Thanks for listening the whole episode. You did a good job. You won a prize. Thank you. <laughs> Email me for the prize. Okay. <laughs>